Welcome down to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Solo show this week. Two big macro topics for this week's broadcast, which is, number one, uh, going to give some dynasty thoughts for each team that was eliminated this past week. Good teams, divisional round, getting to the final eight in the NFL, but not close enough. So going to cover those teams exiting the postseason and going to discuss a timely topic for the early offseason, which is how to look at leaving a league, how to look at if a dynasty league is a good fit for you. Maybe it is time to move on and when those circumstances converge into making it a good decision for you and your dynasty portfolio. So let's start out with the first topic, looking at into the offseason with the biggest thought from these eliminated playoff teams. First off, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the weapons already markedly improved from the, the the train wreck 2021 season into 2022. More of that to come in 2023. Calvin Ridley is an underrated addition that they made during the off season, uh, during the season, really for 2023, being preemptive with that addition. So Calvin Ridley offers someone that has looked like a number one wide receiver in the NFL at his best. Christian Kirk did his best impression of that with their iteration and their their Jacksonville version this year. Zay Jones coming from the ether. Evan Ingram had a fine season, but Calvin Ridley's addition will be one of those key moves that they have already made, but also look for them to bolster around Trevor Lawrence even more. The lone free agents on the team, Marvin Jones, who wasn't really an impact, and Evan Ingram, who we've already seen this past week, some signs and some dialogue that there is mutual interest in Evan Ingram returning. And all this is going to be good news for Trevor Lawrence. He takes a huge step forward in the hierarchy of the quarterback position, and he's one that is going to continue to rise at 23 years old to kick off uh, week one of 2023. And that year one train wreck is long in the rear view as year two, he puts up a top 12 season and there's a chance that he takes a continued step forward for top six. I have met QB five in the UT dynasty rankings at the quarterback position. Certainly an argument for him to be as high as QB three. And for Trevor Lawrence, all the weapons will help. And if he if he was able to move Christian Kirk into that number two role or number three role because they're so good at the skill positions, it will make life on Lawrence even easier this coming season. And it's a pretty crowded tier two. Uh, there's five or six quarterbacks in that zone. Trevor Lawrence, as I mentioned, quarterback five in the UTH Dynasty rankings there within tier two. Next up is the Giants and the two biggest uh, assets you're going to have to decide on this offseason are guys that basically came from the waiver wire. Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins. And there is huge risk with both of these profiles, more so with Richie James than Isaiah Hodgins, by my vantage point and analysis. Isaiah Hodgins is a younger player. He fits more of a prototypical role. But uh, both players, big, big roles down the stretch here for the Giants. But let the the common phrase I always say is these teams are going to do whatever they have to do to scratch claw to get impact get production from their reasonable options in season. However, now we get to the off season and it is replacement season. It is upgrade season. And for the Giants and the passing game where they didn't have a whole lot, no offense, Daniel Bellinger at the tight end position. And then at the wide receiver position, Kenny Galladay probably going to be gone. Thankfully, he's provided almost nothing on that big contract they signed him to previously. 
And Sterling Shepard, he's going to be 30 if he comes back to uh, any strong percentage of his previous self in 2023. So they really need to, and, and this is a, a key point. If you look at a depth chart and you say, well, it's so weak, they have to do something. That is the worst case scenario for one of the incumbents because it means they will do something. You actually, you know, if you, if you, if you want to like a starting running back, for example, you want there to be a good enough backup in town because it means they're less likely to address the, the position in a major way. Same applies here to the Giants passing game. It is bereft of talent, and that means they're, they're, they almost have to uh, address it with multiple additions coming into the fold. So Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, they're going to be ones where, you know, we tip our caps, uh, we salute them as they have been great streamers for us this year. But the likelihood, even finishing in the wide receiver 50s, which they did in adjusted points per game in 2022, it still means it is likely to be their career peak or close to it. And the, the best news for them this past year was predictability. Uh, down the stretch, we knew we could count on them as streaming candidates and streaming uh, usage players. But we're going to have a lot more ambiguity when there's other options in town. And that's the biggest thing here with the Giants. Daniel Jones is probably going to be back. But you know even more so than the Jaguars, look for them to be bold, be aggressive in what was a surprising offense rubbing sticks together and getting a lot of production out of not a whole lot when you look at the NFL level threshold for talent. But the Giants are going to be one that I would not hesitate to include Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins into a dynasty trade just to clear the roster spot as an ancillary wide receiver that it really has low odds to continue the momentum from 2022 to 2023. Next up, the Buffalo Bills. And the thing that really stood out is, did they really load up for Josh Allen? Some of these teams that are advancing, we saw them uh, really, really bolster their teams with key additions. You look at Christian McCaffrey added for the for the 49ers, you see a number of, of teams that went to bat for either A, their quarterback, B, make additions. And for the Bills, yes, Vaughn Miller was an addition, but for Josh Allen specifically, did they build around their quarterback uh, to push all their chips in? And Stefan Diggs, he did not have a good game in their their exit to the Cincinnati Bengals. But you look around, you say they're, they really uh, went in-house. With Gabriel Davis, they spent an early day three pick on Khalil Shakir. Dawson Knox had some moments. They brought back Cole Beasley. But this isn't really the same uh, type of fervent effort that they had on some of these other teams. And so for Josh Allen, that has to be the watchword this offseason, which is weaponry. And, and also the ability to run. You look at the opposite side of this game in Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a few of these other teams, they have no problems morphing and, and turning into whatever they need, like a chameleon on offense, depending on jumping out to a lead. All of a sudden, let's run the ball uh, later in the game, salt away a lead. Uh, let's, let's continue uh, to stick with the run where the Bills are, are happy at 14-0 or 14-7 to abandon in a playoff game, the running game. And so I do wonder, I think James Cook is pretty high variance. He could easily be the starting running back this next year, but also have seen some mock drafts where they're drafting a notable running back early on and saying, eh, we don't really like what we have there. James Cook for me is right around running back 30 in my dynasty running back rankings. 
and certainly has a chance with Devin Singletary, a free agent, to be uh, the starting back on a strong team. However, is it going to be one where they can lean on a running back and it provides strong value? Because even with Devin Singletary, the clear 1A back early in the 2022 season, he still was one that we had some pause of how, about how uh, how much confidence we have putting him in our dynasty lineups. And so that's the real question mark is even if we do have a clarified 55, 60% snap rate player in that backfield, is that going to lead to predictable and, and you know top 18 type uh, starting lineup decisions for us in 2023? That's the key question with James Cook. And the ranking of running back 30 is a little half in, half out. However, I think there's plenty of veterans, even at 27, 28 years old, that we have more confidence that they're going to have a more stable role this coming year. Now, if James Cook fully hits at 24 years old, obviously he would have a good amount better than running back 30 value. But that's a major question mark as he is subsized. And frankly, this is going to be a Josh Allen-centric offense yesterday, today, and tomorrow until further notice. Finally, we have the Dallas Cowboys. And the common thread here continues, which is the lack of playmakers. Because when we saw Tony Pollard go down in-game, it was CeeDee Lamb and question mark for Dak Prescott. Yes, it was a tough 49ers defense. However, Michael Gallup, where we saw a little flash or two this season, but yes, he was recovering from injury, but it's got to be better. Noah Brown, nice story there. Uh, Dalton Schultz is one that is only as good as his situation, in my view. He's a baseline level physical talent that can take advantage when basically left alone or viewed as a third or fourth option by an opposing defense. So you put all those things together and they need help. Their defense played good enough. Dak did not play good enough, but their their skill positions were not good enough either, especially beyond C.D. Lamb. And I am one of the bigger Michael Gallup fans out there. However, make or break season coming up in 2023. And frankly, this is a situation where he, you know, career arc wise, really changed his arc. Uh, looking at some of the data you can find over at UTH Dynasty on the wide receiver rankings, it breaks down future wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three plus odds uh, for future seasons to, to identify their peaks. Uh, if you're looking for ceiling, you're looking for stability and probability for a, a quality floor as well. Only 7% for Michael Gallup going forward by his career arc comps, 7% chance of a top 12 season going forward. And this is someone with a a wide receiver 17 season as his career peak. Yes, it's a few years ago, but he still has that in him. He's still just 27 for next year. So there's a lot of positives. However, it feels like because of the lack of impact for Michael Gallup, the lack of impact overall by this passing game weaponry in Dallas, that Dallas is one that is ripe to address the position, address the passing game. That could be a notable tight end, could be a wide receiver or two of note, but it feels like a prime season for them to address it and upgrade around uh, Dak Prescott. And frankly, through the draft should be one of the pinnacle ways over the next few years as Dak Prescott is already on one of those super max deals. And so you need to go cheap. You're not going to be able to go to the well over and over again where they gave Gallup a, 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 a fair market free agency deal 
And and they're not going to be able to afford to do that too many times over. That's why I think Dalton Schultz is going to be on the move and not with the team. Uh, they've already kind of alluded to the past few days that Ezekiel Elliott is open to restructuring and remaining with the team. He has an unruly contract in, in terms of just outright cutting him. But I don't know if they're going to be able to afford uh, Tony Pollard as well. So a lot of moving pieces coming here for the Cowboys. But one of the mainstays has to be on on the, the the rookie side and developing and drafting young talent of note because they're just not going to be able to afford to throw uh, you know ten million plus deals. I mean maybe you could get something in the five to ten million dollar uh, range for one tight end or one wide receiver, but that's going to be a short term deal and that's not going to be an, a sustainable plan in the aggregate. So for Dak Prescott. Uh, it's a big offseason for him, just like Josh Allen, to accrue more weapons on the outside. And as I mentioned with, with Michael Gallup, those are jarringly low by his career arc comps, falling off this past season to wide receiver 70 in adjusted points per game. And uh, one of the other data points you can find at UTH Dynasty is going to be that career uh, career year rate, which is beyond the current uh, current year. What are their odds of producing their best season uh, yet and for Michael Gallup, pretty low at 21%. So that wide receiver 17 season, uh, about 80% of the time historically, is going to be his career year through that career arc analysis. No advertising in Under the Helmet podcast, but do want to tell you about one of the offerings if you're interested in hearing more like you're hearing in this episode. You're going to hear deep data dives, especially this time of year, whether it's startup draft decision making, it's dynasty trading, it is rookie class analysis, you want to go over to patreon.com slash UTH. For as little as $5 a month, you can support what I do, producing a lot of extra podcasts. You're going to get deep dives into specific players, uh, content that you cannot find anywhere else. Also, have Tim Torch over there. Uh, Most every week, we do a feature show together, and that's going to have a feature topic. You can submit questions as well as feature offerings like a VIP chat room where I am in there answering questions every single day with some of the dynasty's best owners out there as well as we help each other through if it's dynasty startup drafts we ask trade questions you can put up polls you get a lot of feedback that is going to be far more in my radius than if you just try to reach out on twitter send me an email it's far easier as i'm checking the vip chat constantly for the best dynasty discussion around so again if you want to support the show keep it ad free would love any ratings and reviews you would like to submit but really going over to patreon.com slash UTH. It's a few bucks, about a cup of coffee a month, and you're going to get exclusive content that you cannot find anywhere else. And one of my favorite features is when I'm over there and talking through some of these historical projects or new additions to the projection model that looks at incoming rookies and prospects from the college ranks and just talking through scenarios uh, that uh, is future content in the works but yet you get to hear about it on the fledgling stages when I discover something and the VIP chat is always the first place I go to share my findings. The other feature topic this week when is it time and what is the criteria to leave a dynasty league? Potentially exit from one of your longer standing or maybe not so long standing dynasty leagues of note. So the first barrier that I like to discuss is do not use the team strength 
or your standing within the hierarchy of the league as your reason to leave. Because this is bailing on a project that you created. This is a team that you are just running away from because it's not very good. And instead of that, you need to embrace the challenge. So this is alone not the reason to leave a league. And that's the first uh, question mark you should ask yourself. Is this a league that I'm trying to leave because I created a big mess and I just want to wipe the slate clean? I don't want to actually embrace a rebuild or embrace a, a, a team that needs a lot of improvement. And can I learn from those decisions? Can I learn from how it takes, how it only takes a short amount of time to potentially uh, erode a team and the, its strength within a dynasty league and how much it might take to get a team back on track. So this does not mean that you can't leave a poor team or a situation, but it cannot be the reason. You can't just say, well, it's one of my weaker teams, so I'm going to leave. That's not a good reason. So that's why I wanted to go into many of the other reasons that you might have a stinky team. You might have an orphan you took over a year ago, but uh, it, there's going to be other reasons and other uh, qualifiers in order to justify um, leaving this league. One of the big ones uh, is the commissioner, uh, him or herself, that they could be poor leadership. They could, I've heard so many times about changes in rules or settings without notice, without due process, uh, without putting them into effect in a future season. Uh, there's so many, you know, have you tried to address the issues you may or may not have with the commissioner themselves? Have you tried to address it publicly or privately? Uh, has anyone suggested a co-commissioner? And the other thing is you may be the only one that, that has a real grumble, a real gripe with, with the way they are doing business. But the commissioner has a huge impact. Their mindset, their just overall attitude, whether that's in a, a group me chat, whether that's through the message board or a variety of email notifications on things that are happening in the league, they have a huge effect on the total vibe of the league. And so the commissioner... And especially if they don't have, uh, you know, a good sense of, uh, you know, if, if the league or a cross section of the owners are not pleased with me, maybe it's a situation where there should be a, a co-commissioner. Maybe it's a situation where there should be almost a checks and balances committee of two or three owners that can have, have a variety of systems in place for changing rules, assessing situations, having more votes on things. So in general, this is something that I like to give it more than one year. If I, if there's a new commissioner in place, I've start you know started to observe some things that I don't like on this front. I think this is a good uh, good situation to try to address with c good communication, and it's also one to maybe give it one more year. That said, this whole the whole theme of this topic is going to be when in doubt, you know, it should be fun, it should be enjoyable, and a lot of the aspects of a league should not get in the way or hinder you from enhancing the NFL and uh, fantasy game that we love. So if, if these things are hindering your enjoyment of it, just of the, the minutia and the mechanics of, of the league itself, then that is an overriding uh, good situation to potentially leave a league. Another one, in addition to the commissioner, how about other owners? You know, this is one where um, I've left one league before that and I'll get into it more in a second, but here are some examples. They could just be, in general, could be one person, 
could be half the league, could be most of the league, that overall could be towards you, could be towards someone else. They're mean. They're inappropriate. Um, you know, this is something that you can mention it to the commissioner. You can address it one-on-one. But I would say this. We know bad behavior when we see it. You know, within the, hey, we're all being competitive. We all are in this together. And yet there's someone or a group that is making it, you know, a a toxic environment in terms of, hey, if I go into my league chat, I don't want to be, you know, potentially reading stuff like this. That could be abusive. That could be uh, that could be using vulgar language. It could be a variety of things, whatever that means to you. But like the commissioner, this could be an infrastructure problem. And I left the league that they just kept going down the same rabbit holes over and over again. And despite the commissioner saying basically, you know, hey, let's knock this off, that did not occur. And I did what I, I mentioned a minute ago, gave it one more year, and that didn't, that one more season, and that didn't fix anything. That didn't fix anything. I stopped going to the chat, which. I think, you know, if there's a message board, if there's a chat room, uh, whatever the communication style is for the league, I don't, you know, it does, it's not very fitting if, if some cross-section of the league feels that they can't communicate in that way or they don't want to receive that information because of the attitude, because of uh, the negativity and all these other factors, because they should be allowed to, fostering a good environment, a part of this entire ecosystem of communication. So that's another one. We have commissioner, we have other owners. Uh, now here's another one. Uh, what if it's a free league and you don't view it as worth your time anymore? You started out, maybe you were in a, a dynasty league or two, and this is one you've been in for a while. It's a free league, but you just want to make sure that you have enough time, but you really want to join another league. A free one is absolutely a no strings attached. You know, maybe it's with some buddies uh, from years ago, and that might be your reason to stay. But if you only have time for two or three dynasty leagues to start a new one or start one where, hey, I really want to play a super flex league. I really want to play IDP or salary cap or Devi. And I'm in a league or two, and one of them's free, and it just does not offer what I'm looking for. And, and that, that corresponds with my next, my next point, which is the format. And maybe it's just not an inspiring format anymore. I've I started out cutting my teeth on one one quarterback formats. Well, I I don't really like to play those much anymore. So I've left some. Now again, it I didn't leave ones because they were a poor team situation. I left them for a variety of reasons. You know, I didn't view them as worth my time anymore. They were really really low stakes. And then the other part was the format I did not find interesting anymore. Uh, I felt I felt I I already and still had some leagues, and these were also ones where. I didn't view any sort of uh, personal connection to anyone in the league or the commissioner. Uh, I wasn't overly zealous in terms of the trading dynamic or, oh, they got a really fun you know, chat or, or uh, just league dynamic around the critical moments of whether it's in-season, the annual draft, uh, the playoffs, any of that stuff. So there was really no tie for me based on low entry fee or again a free league that might might be another qualifier and then the format as well another one activity level of the league and this can be a huge frustration for dynasty folks you're active you're a super fan you're out there listening to dynasty podcasts you are uh, you are you know in, in your work environment per se you know there may be a, a work di- a fantasy league but you know what dynasty goes beyond that and you go beyond dynasty so 
it just may not be an activity level of the league that you you want to associate it with. You're like, oh, I send a bunch of offers. They just sit there. I end up revoking them by the kickoff of the next week. You know, the only time the league really wakes up a little bit is during the annual draft. But, I, you know, we still kind of have to hound people sometimes because they're on the clock and it takes a while to get them to pick or to even respond to trades then. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a super fun league. Now, for some, they don't want a lot of pressure. They don't want a, a lot of commitment to, oh, I got to I gotta be, you know, all on my phone and in my emails and everything. So they may not be looking for that. But honestly, that's more of a low-end dynasty, maybe even a redraft sort of feel of commitment and for those other owners. But if you want to be highly active, hyperactive, then you want, uh, likely, you at least want a chunk of your league that is similar in terms of their outlook and in similar of their mindset for the activity that they want to have. They, you know, they want others that are in March thinking about dynasty trading and sending offers, communicating, sending comments. So uh, if that's for you and the league doesn't match, it's really not a good fit. And frankly, it's going to be frustrating for you. If you're truly on the fence about some of the criteria already mentioned in this section about uh, possibly leaving a league, then maybe you give it one more year. See if your feelings change. However, you do want to notate, I could be making a few notes, wherever you keep information regarding your leagues, just write down how you're feeling. Uh, Some of the demerits, some of the potential reasons for leaving in 2023 and if that does not occur, does not change, uh, you you look back at it 11, 12 months from now, and then that may be what you need uh, to support your decision internally if you've never left a league to ultimately do so after giving it a little more time. Here's my biggest piece of advice. Uh, seeing owners leave leagues uh, the right way, the wrong way, from the owner side, from the, the co, uh, co-owner side, as well as the uh, commissioner view, which is First of all, is communicate early and openly. You know, if you're on the fence about coming back or not coming back, tell the commission as early as possible, even if you're up in the air. And you can clarify that later. A lot of leagues, which I am not a big fan of, but they might not have their payment deadline until sometime after the NFL draft. In my opinion, that's too late. Uh, You would love to know earlier rather than later. But even if you say, hey, just a heads up, I'm thinking about leaving the league, you don't have to get into every single bit of of the reason why. You can share as much as you like or are comfortable. But if you at least mention that now, they may uh, opt to, to... help and facilitate be like hey i know someone that might might be interested in filling your spot so just let me know one way or another or say you know i'm leaning towards staying or i'm leaning towards leaving the league but at least give an impression if you're not firmly yes or no uh and and from the commissioner side i can just say this makes it much more easily easy to plan and fill and move forward with the league which is what we do every single off season whether we have 12 coming back or a few openings The worst scenario by far that I've seen is just walking away and being invisible for months after the previous season. And what eventually what you do is you force the league and force the commissioner to take the hint or try to track you down. And here's the part. Most people, whether it's league mates or the commissioner themselves, they're overly nice. Because they're going to set the trade, they're going to set the payment deadline. Let's just say they set it at April first. Well, you're not going to communicate with them at all, ever. You know, and you just ghost the league essentially. 
but they're going to send you reminders. They're going to get to April 1st, and most of them are not going to be firm and final. They're still going to send you an email trying to track you down. Oh, well, I've reached out, you know, and we're trying to do this. And you could be delaying the uh, mechanics of the off season. That could be running a dispersal draft, collecting fees, obviously, and then ultimately having your annual draft, the pinnacle moment on your league's calendar that could be delayed. I've seen this especially in Devi or Devi slash rookie drafts where the annual draft is before the NFL draft. And if that's the case, you definitely need to have a payment deadline somewhere maybe in the March 1st. So that uh, deadline zone, because then you have plenty of time to fill potential openings, run a dispersal, and you can still comfortably have your annual draft in March or even April, early April, and well before the NFL draft itself. So again, the having to track you down or the nice commissioner, which many are, that they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They don't want to know. They don't want to uh, boot Charlie and fill Charlie's spot in the league if he ultimately is coming back. But maybe he's on a cruise. Maybe he's on a vacation. Maybe you know he just hasn't been thinking about his leagues. Now again, there's no right or wrong answer here. But I would say be open and transparent from the commissioner side of setting a, a payment deadline, and they're going to get reminders whether it's from League Safe or from you. And just go with that. Hey, when the deadline hits, we're going to move forward with finding a replacement and uh, running a dispersal as needed and moving on with the league without that, that owner. And then the other part is just, you know, it feels if you've never left a league before, it does feel weird to acknowledge here in January. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm not coming back. But as I went through all these criteria, there are many valid reasons to leave a league. And once you make that decision, once you mentally have turned that key that you're not coming back, you're not enjoying it, you'd like to either just move forward with your portfolio without that league or try a new experience that all it takes, uh, you know, is to let the commissioner know that uh, and, and with ample notice, every single one will be okay with it. And the biggest thing is you're going to be okay with it. And by the time we start looking at NFL teams uh, in full action, July into August and then September, you're going to be on with your dynasty leagues that you do have. And it's only going to be a little bit of your memory. Uh, but again, it's not going to be uh, as big of a hurdle as you think once you pragmatically go through the decision-making progress pro process and you end up uh, being transparent with your communication and ultimately deciding to give it one more year or leave the league. If you enjoy Dynasty content like this, I can only advise you to get more over there at UTHDynasty.com. Become a general manager plus subscriber. Just some of the things you're going to get are over 250 premium podcasts on an annual basis. It's going to go into deep diving topics like this. Of course, it's going to go into player value. Of course, it's going to go into Dynasty team strategy sessions. I always call them you know, 101 level, 201 level, graduate school, upper level in terms of education for managing your leagues, navigating trading as a big one. Even if you do not sign up as a standalone prod, uh, prod, product, you're going to get a preview of the UTH trade calculator. This is something that's been upgraded two or three times over the course of its existence. And this is something that I used for multiple years before even releasing it to the membership population. 
and this is something I hold near and dear to my heart. There's over 20 formats that are uh, uniquely culled with historical information. And this dives into specific player value, whether it's Superflex, two tied in with premium scoring, stock, uh, stock one quarterback, uh, could include point per carry. There's a number of different formats. And one of the biggest features, we just talked about joining new leagues. If you join a new Dynasty startup draft and you are a trade calculator subscriber and you sign up for three months or longer, you're going to get a free custom UTH draft board upon request. That could be auctioned as well. And you're going to get it customized with ADP, with UTH player values, and it's going to make your life uh, to navigate and have your best startup draft ever. The clarity of decision making is going to be in your hands. And basically, you're not going to want to do a startup draft beyond that point without the UTH draft or auction board available to you. So those are just a few features over at UTH Dynasty. Again, if you, if you like this show, you want to hear more, or you just want to support what, what I am doing and what is available at UTH. Sign up at UTHDynasty.com. Thanks so much for listening. I am Chad Parsons, and until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. You know, a, a player that I don't think I don't know if we've discussed one time on the show. Who? JJ Nelson. That would be correct. <laughs> Not really much of a reason to talk about him. I mean, yeah, he had a good game, but he had two good games. Okay. He's like 150 pounds, wet and wearing boots. I know, but I figured you'd be more interested since you don't really like John Brown that much. I like John Brown a lot more than I like J.J. Nelson. Okay. That's for sure. And we okay. have mentioned him on the show when I made fun of him for, like, how is this like, guy ever going to make it in the NFL weighing what no, he does? I know. I, again, I wrote him off too, but I, I think there's more there. that I mean, I didn't think of the two of us. I was, like, his most devout supporter. I just I mean, it's like a middle schooler playing in the NFL, for Christ's sake. <laughs> wow, you're just you're throwing the man card, the man weight card all around. Like I get it. He weighs 122 pounds. Like I mean, he's a 14 year old girl. I get it. I was just gonna say, like, if he had, if he, if he gets married, I mean, there's like an 80 percent chance his wife could beat him up. He weighs 100. Oh my god, yeah, he's a freaking I, I featherweight. 156 pounds. Yeah, but he ran a 428. Yeah, but like put twenty pounds on him, he runs a four or five probably. He had thirty one inch arms. He's like me. He's got eight inch hands. And he could, no wonder I have a connection with him. And he's always running the wrong route too. Oh, is he? Always running the wrong wrong route. Good lord! Sounds like he was just going there and bash him all the time, talking about eating sandwiches. Right. <laughs> I mean, how many times can I say man weight in one show? It's true. Yeah, it would be a good drinking game. Right. 156. I mean, that's like. That's just egregious. There's only like 10 guys that have been sub 170 in the projection model. I mean, that's. Yeah. It's, Is Dante it's Hall true. If anyone, actually, if anyone actually touches him, he better be fast. It's like Urkel running around out there. Pretty much. <laughs> he, catch, he catches the ball and he's surprised. He's like, did I do that? Actually, it could be like one of those commercials where he gets hit and he just <clears throat> turns into smoke on the spot. Yeah. Or like two guys hit him from like different angle from like different sides and it just tears him in half. Or it's just it's just an empty jersey sitting there on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> like what happened to JJ? Right. I mean, he could be the poster boy for anorexia for the NFL. Oof! It's like a magic trick. It, well, no, it'd just be like, yeah, don't let your daughter contract bulimia. 
or or, or contract plebeia. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see like NFL films follow around JJ Nelson for the day, yeah. well, like when like all the players are eating or something like that, and like they all have these huge plates. Yep. And he's got like five grapes on his plate. Right. No, he has one piece of lean turkey and a glass right. of water. <laughs> he's like, he's like, wanna wanna fuel those muscles, right? Wanna fuel that That's muscle? A good idea. Like, do you think his punishment, like his rookie hazing, was he had to take the offensive line out to eat, out to dinner, and just watch them eat? Right. I think this should be the whole player spotlight. It's just right. Nelson jokes. Right. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Oh my god. Right. So good. I, I mean, do you think they lock him in his locker? I don't know. I mean, I mean, like, come on, guys, help me out. I mean, he's got one thing. He's got one thing going in his favor. He's the only player ever from Ethiopia to make the NFL. (laughs) Do you you think when they got there, the the, all the the trainers and equipment boys were like, "Oh, where are we going to get his sizes?" (laughs) Right. We don't have pants that small. What are we going to do? He still wears a size set. He still shops for shoes in the kids section. They they called the Alabama Birmingham staff. They're like, "Don't tell me, really? Twenty six waist size? We can't even do that! Like, how does that? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! This is an equipment nightmare, right? Like his shoulder pads touch the middle, right? Oh my gosh! I'm telling you, this is a show. <laughs> it's gonna be an entire outtake show. JJ Nelson, the outtakes. Yeah. J.J. Nelson, a.k.a. Jamarcus. All right, so yeah, so maybe choosing him for a player spotlight's a bad choice. Yeah, that could go, that could, that'd be a rabbit hole of just, like, insults. Wow. Well, yeah, your side of the conversation would be exactly what we just did. 